The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46, and can be found on page 1533 in your pew Bible. Matthew records, Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it and he dug a wine press in it and he built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and he moved to another place. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. And then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. And last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him, and they threw him out of the vineyard, and then they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end they replied. He will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at the harvest time. And Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruits. And anyone who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew that he was talking about them. And they looked for a way to arrest them. But they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, last week we heard about an encounter between Jesus and the chief priests and the elders. And it was Holy Week. That's the scene 
On the first day of the week, Jesus rode a donkey from the Mount of Olives to the temple while Passover pilgrims praised him. And then he chased the merchants and the money changers out of the temple. It was a busy week. And after that, he healed some people. And when Jesus returned to the temple to teach, it brings us to uh, where it says uh, the chief priests and the elders were waiting at the temple. They wanted to check him out. They wanted to confront him. And they said, when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? That was last week's gospel, Matthew 21. That was verse 23. And then you may remember that Jesus responded with a question of his own. He said, the baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And the temple authorities were afraid to answer Jesus' question. And so Jesus declined to answer theirs. And then he told the parable of the two sons. Do you remember those two sons? One said, no, I'm not going to go. And then he went, and then the other son said, yes, sir, I will go. And then he didn't. And this week begins where last week's reading came to an end. Now, just because last week's ending came to an end, it does not mean that Jesus stopped talking to the priests, the chief priests, and the elders. Truth is, Jesus continued to speak with them and about them. And the reading that we just heard is just one, just one of the parables that Jesus told while he was in the temple that particular day. So keep a few things in the back of your mind as we go through this parable. Many of the events that were represented in the parable, these will happen, they would happen in less than a week. For we know that in a few days, Judas will betray Jesus. In less than a week, Jesus will suffer and die on the cross and raise from the dead. And the chief priests and the elders were already having secret talks about how to destroy Jesus. And Jesus knew that this was coming when he told this story. Jesus painted a word picture for his listeners. He said, Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, and he dug a wine press in it and built it a tower. And then he leased it to tenants, and he went into another country. He went away. And when the season for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. Okay? So this setup for this parable would have been a very familiar story for all who were listening. There's no doubt that many of the Passover pilgrims who listened to Jesus, they'd seen vineyards, 
just like the one in this parable. His listeners would be very familiar with the idea of renting land for a share of the crops it produced. There may even have been vineyard owners and workers listening to Jesus when he told this parable. Within the context of this parable, the landowner represented God. The vineyard represented Israel. And the many details involved in the planting of the vineyard, the fence, the tower, the wine press, and so forth, show that God had blessed Israel with all that it needed to thrive and to grow. And the tenants represent the spiritual leadership of that nation. In the current circumstances, that would have been the chief priests and the elders of the people. The same people who had come up to him and asked by whom or by what he drove and got his authority. The servants who came to collect the crop would be God's servants, especially his prophets. And the fruit that they expected would be repentance and faith. So after Jesus set the backdrop of the parable, he started making his point when he said this, the tenants took his servants, they beat one, killed another, and stoned another. The tenants turned out to be violent, insane criminals. There's no sense at all for what they were doing. You know, only the most stupid arrogance would believe that it could get away with such a crime. The sentence represents the violent history of Israel towards God's prophets and other servants. For example, the writer in Hebrews, he describes the life of the prophet quite well, quite gruesomely. We read in Hebrews, some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They were wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. That's Hebrews 11, verses 35 through 38. Israel's history toward the prophets was one of unbelieving rebellion, violence, and torture. And under these circumstances... The landowner had the right to punish these tenants with death. And that is exactly what an ordinary landowner would do. However, the landowner in the parable is not ordinary, is he? Again, it's written, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. 
And here Jesus illustrated the incredible mercy, the incredible grace of God. Instead of judging Israel and destroying it, God sent more prophets. And this teaching is consistent with the words that God gave to Ezekiel. It was written, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? That's Ezekiel 33, 11. God offered. God offered life to Israel. Despite this, God's prophets continued to suffer cruel violence. And at this point, the landowner in the parable did something absolutely insane. It's written, finally he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. You know, given the history of these tenants, no earthly landowner would have done this. An earthly landowner might send his son at the head of an army with orders to destroy the tenants, but he would never send his son to collect fruit of the vineyard. The amazing thing is is that Jesus was teaching about himself at this point. He himself, we know, is the Son of God. He has come just as the prophets came before him. And the parable is about the person who first told it. And as Jesus continued, the tenants reveal the extent of their insanity. When the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Who in their right mind would believe that they could become heirs of an estate by killing the current heir to the estate. You know, to the best of my knowledge, there has never been a legal system in history that would allow such a thing. And even so, this parable is eerily accurate in its detail. The tenants threw the son out of the vineyard before they killed him. It is in a similar matter. The Romans, the soldiers, will lead Jesus out of Jerusalem and they will crucify him. And the parable illustrates the events that will happen to Jesus by the end of the week. Now Jesus closed the parable by asking his hearers to judge the tenants in the parable. It was written that when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to the tenants? This is the good part. They said, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. The judgment is death. The owner will kill the tenants and replace them with faithful people. We know that there is a hot place in hell 
for people who violate the precious trust that God has placed in their hands and do not repent. This parable is actually quite terrifying in its judgment. And the sad thing about this parable is that the fact is that it is God's intent to make all people fellow heirs with Christ, as the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Roman church. He wrote, The Spirit himself bears bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's Romans 8. So, within the context of the parable, it was the landowner's intent to make the tenants heirs with his son. The landowner intended to freely give them the very thing that they tried to take by violence. The insanity of their evil not only caused them to lose this gift, but their lives as well. They could have had it all, but they lost it all instead. The parable in today's gospel is a true tragedy. It ends with a dead son and damned tenants. Jesus powerfully punctuated, he powerfully punctuated this ending with a quote from Psalm 118. Jesus said to them, Have you never heard in the scriptures? that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. That was in Matthew 21, verse 42. And with these words, Jesus made it clear that the fate of those in the parable need not be our fate. Though there was the rejected stone, this stone became the cornerstone. So Jesus himself did not remain rejected. Although Jesus died in rejection, he did not remain in the grave. He rose from the dead to become the cornerstone upon which the church depends. And under God's grace, get this, under God's grace, even the evil tenants need not be damned. It would not surprise me at all if some of those who voted to crucify Jesus later repented. It would not surprise me at all if they had heard the preaching of the apostles and received the gift of faith from the Holy Spirit. It would not surprise me at all that through the gift of the faith from the Holy Spirit and the one whom they crucified, they are now in heaven praising God. God's grace is for all. He wants to give it to us freely for the sake of the perfect life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And if, we insist that God must save us on our terms, then we shall follow the example of the wicked tenants in the parable. When God has his way, 
when God has his way, we will die in Christ and follow him. We will not remain in the grave, but we will rise from the dead, just as Christ rose. We are already, we are already children of God. Jesus has placed his righteousness in our hearts, and we will live with him forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.